0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. Uh, if you want, download, subscribe, leave a five-star review, and recommend the podcast to one friend. If you're a long-time listener, short-time listener, like the show, uh, do it. And while you're recommending this podcast to a friend, go ahead and recommend the cover three podcast to a friend as well, because we have a special cover three crossover edition. We're going to look at the 2021 NFL draft with cover three host. I think host Chip Patterson cover three analyst Tom Fornelli and uh, our very own Ryan Wilson. Hello, gentlemen. Nah, listen, like this is uh, for the cover three listeners
1: that are here. This is a, a relationship that goes back many years. I think we all like and dislike each other equal amounts, just sort of across <laughs> the board of the quadrants. And, uh, and it's exciting to be able to be with you guys and, uh, and, and get in on a little crossover episode.
2: I would like to declare myself as the very first super enemy of the pick six podcast.
0: <laughs> that Tom, you've been a, you've, you have like, you're like a borderline, uh, like honorary super friend. You and Chip both have uh, no nope, enemy. Okay, super friend of me.
1: Super friend of me, Tom Fernelli. <laughs> Tom
3: is officially a, a super friend of me, but I can state for the record that I've hated Brentson for dozens of years.
0: <laughs> yeah, um you know what? It's kind of crazy. I think that collectively between the four because um, our, our mutual friend Hayes Permar texted me the other day and, and, uh, and was asking me, he's like, "Don't you have some kind of anniversary coming up at CBS?" And I was like, "I don't know, maybe." It turns out July will be my 10 year anniversary at CBS, which means that we have a borderline on this call, borderline 40 years of CBS work experience. Which we are Pete Prisco. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) we are combined us and we are Pete Prisco. Because Chip, you came on right after I did. Yeah, yeah, August, and then Tom and Ryan not long after us, right?
2: June. Yeah, I came on. Yeah, I came late August 2010.
3: Right, I'm, I'm the young pup. Nice, yeah. Nice. Take that. So, Tom, do you have any uh, connections to North Carolina, family, friends, visitations?
2: I'm friends with a guy who went to North Carolina who hosts the podcast I'm on. All right. so that's <laughs> just going to get to 100 percent North Carolinians on the pod, but that's good enough.
0: Well, he uh, yeah, um, Tom. Uh, Tom has gotten drunk with me and uh, and and my wife uh, in Chicago, like ten like twelve ten years ago, give or take.
2: So yeah, no, we went to, uh, where did we go? Where did
0: we go? Are we? went there? to the Billy
2: Goat. went to the Billy yeah. Goat.
0: Yeah, Actually, so. it was more like 12 years ago because I wasn't working at CBS then.
2: Cause I was, no, I don't think I was Yeah.
0: Yeah. Wow. Man. I don't and, remember.
2: Uh, we were drunk.
0: I know. <laughs> I, we did go to the Billy <laughs> Goat. Uh, I, and about that same time, I was, uh, we were doing a podcast with Wilson on, uh, the old fan house, the, the house cast house cast. Uh, anyway. Enough. 2021 NFL Draft. Let's look, instead of the past, let's look to the future. <laughs> the 2021 NFL Draft, a.k.a. the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes. Um, Chip and Tom, I'll ask you guys as, well, actually, I'll ask Tom, because Chip is an ACC homer and Tom is, <laughs> uh, is not. Um, is there any way that Trevor Lawrence is drafted, that Justin Fields could be taken over Trevor Lawrence in the 2021 NFL draft, barring like an injury or no college football being played, et cetera.
2: Yeah. I mean, I I think that at this time last year, we didn't think there'd be any way that Tua wasn't the top pick in the draft. And we saw how that went with Burrow kind of coming out of quote, unquote, nowhere to have a huge season. But if you look at Fields, it's, if you look at how they both played last year, there really wasn't a major difference between them on the whole and Fields is the more mobile Of the two, whereas Lawrence kind of busted out the run, it's more last season. He's not just in Fields when it comes to running, but if you look at their overall numbers last year, Fields had a higher TD rate, he had a lower interception rate, he had a higher completion percentage, though the difference was his on-target rate was lower, but it wasn't that much lower than Lawrence's, and that's for the whole season. But if you break it down, because if we look at Trevor Lawrence's, I I think that Lawrence will be the first one taken, like you said, barring injury. But I'm not ruling it out, because if you look at Lawrence's season – as a whole, the numbers aren't as great, but the first three games of the season, he was bad. I mean, there were two there were the two blowout wins over Georgia Tech and Syracuse in which he was just kind of playing free and loose, chucking the ball deep, taking chances, and he ended up throwing some picks. And then there was the close game against A&M where he completed like 70% of his passes, but he didn't play all that well. But from week four on, all those stats I mentioned, Lawrence was much better than Fields in like every single one. Although Fields had a slim lead in the touchdown rate, the interception rate was the same. Uh, their yards per attempt was essentially the same, but Lawrence's on target rate went up to 75.8%, which was a full 5.5% higher than Fields. That's a significant difference. And then you take into the fact that Ohio State's team on-target catch rate as a team last year was 91%. Clemson was at 88 Ohio State's drop rate was at 63 And Lawrence's was at 86 with his Clemson receivers. So e- even though he had better stats, he was also a bit unlucky with his receivers, who are also highly rated, and we'll probably get to them again later, at least one of them, did not play as well as Ohio State's receivers. So when you look at all that as a picture, I think that Trevor Lawrence is your prototypical number one pick type NFL quarterback. But... I think Fields is talented enough and is better than a lot of people maybe wanted to give him credit for that. Yes, if he goes out in this year and has another strong season and improves his accuracy, he can very easily overtake Lawrence as the number one QB in the class.
1: Yeah, there are games where Trevor Lawrence is not the best Clemson player. Yeah. And some of that is by design. Travis Etienne is the two-time ACC player of the year. Like, he is... Uh, at times within the flow of the offense the alpha and this is sort of what we're using to be able to uh, establish what we want to do lean on the defense a little bit trevor lawrence top nfl draft prospect top quarterback talent but justin fields is the alpha for ohio state he is the passing game he is the running game uh, they have a thin running back room right now, and I think that Justin Fields, with as much offensive responsibility as he's going to carry for Ohio State, is probably going to end up having a better college football season, like more likely to win the Heisman, maybe edge out Lawrence for some of the All-America stuff, but I definitely understand why when you just sort of pick apart all the different pieces of Trevor Lawrence, you're like, yep. He was cooked up to be an NFL quarterback. I still think Lawrence goes number one.
3: You guys make a good point, and this point was made by Barton Simmons, actually, uh, I think day three of the draft. Uh, we we actually did a whole segment on the 2021 mock draft, and he said, yeah, Trevor Lawrence is the same duck number one overall pick right now. But, I mean, don't forget, Justin Fields has been that offense for one year. Um He had the knee injury late in the year, so he was sort of hobbled. He wasn't the same guy that we saw early on. And if he continues to progress in year two, like we saw in year one, there is a conversation to be had and you, you guys both touched on it. Trevor Lawrence has set the world on fire yet last year. Uh, I was at a Syracuse game and he, he looked like crap. I mean, there were times where you wondered what he was doing. Um, I know someone at Clemson and they kept joking. the problem is Trevor Lawrence's girlfriend's so hot, but I think when you look like Trevor Lawrence, your girlfriend's going to be hot no matter what you do, you could sell carpet. So I don't know if that was it, but, um, is
1: forever the better looking of the couple?
3: Yeah. yeah. I haven't even seen her, but you know, Better,
2: better hair, better hair for sure. Yeah, better hair. I don't think he's better looking.
0: He's not better looking. Yeah, if if Trevor Lawrence doesn't have an attractive girlfriend, it's a it's like there would be an NFL team and be like, we have the American
2: Dream better. is dead if Trevor Lawrence doesn't have a good looking girlfriend. <laughs> I just With saw Trevor someone on Twitter
3: post a picture of Mason uh, Rudolph's girlfriend, and and they said, uh now I dare you to call him mediocre Mason because he looks like what an NFL quarterback's girlfriend should look like, even though he's not a great quarterback. Uh, I want to ask Chip something really quickly. Uh, you mentioned that the offense doesn't run through Trevor Lawrence and it runs through Travis Etienne and parts and other players that were there. You know, if I was only half paying attention, I would say, oh, he's talking about
1: Jake Fromm. Uh, Oh, wow. But uh he's not Jake Fromm, right? No, no, 100% not Jake Fromm. Because then you have the back half of the season when he was averaging, what, like 12 yards per attempt in some of those games. He went on an interception free streak of like seven or eight games near the end of the season. I, I think that uh, the inconsistency at the beginning of the season is worth your attention, though you know, as I can report from my ACC Homer corner, what all the people at Clemson say is that Trevor was trying too hard. That he, as a very young human being now, heard all of the expectations that were being put on him after he lit up Alabama in a 44 to 16 national championship game win, came into the next season, trying to force it a little bit. And then like extra, extra Homer, if you had T Higgins and Justin Ross, wouldn't you take some shots too? Like that was their offense. They just had two big dudes and matchup advantages almost every single snap. And so I think he forced it a lot. I think he made some bad decisions. And when he calmed down a little bit and sort of stepped into the flow of the offense, when Travis Etienne kind of took over as the most important player in the offense, uh, Clemson saw better team success, and so did Lawrence.
2: I also think we have to. I, I was just gonna say I also think we have to consider the boredom factor for Trevor oh, that's last exactly year. Exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. Until the Carolina game, and then when everybody, the national
0: pundits, were like, well, if they lose, like, even if they run the table, they might not be guaranteed a shot <laughs> at the playoff. It's like, well, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. And yeah. so and D- Dabo got pissed. Trevor Lawrence got locked in. ETN got pissed. Uh, Brent Venables, you know, he's always pissed, but he got real <laughs> pissed. I mean, like everybody, and, and that's, Clemson, I don't think, until the playoff, had a game that was like within 20 points the rest of the way. I mean, like, I, they play, they blew, they blew out NC State. I mean, they, all the teams are terrible, but there was like, mm-hmm. blew out NC State, blew out, uh, BC. It, 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 like Wake Forest was like 17 points at half. People were like, is Wake hanging in there? I mean, it was, it was a, they, they caught fire. And I think there, I agree, Tom. There was definitely a boredom factor there.
2: Yeah. Like if you're playing Madden on rookie, after a while, you just start trying stupid stuff to keep yourself entertained.
0: Right. Exactly. Uh, hey, all
3: right. Uh, can That's, I ask podcast one more question? Yeah. How do you explain Jacob Eason and Justin Fields
2: having to leave Georgia? Uh, I think that from, I mean, as far as NFL quarterback prototypical, he doesn't have the talent, the size, the arm strength that Eason has. He doesn't have the mobility and the versatility and the accuracy that Justin Fields has. But I think that. Fields just came in, he was young, and they were, he was a freshman, so they were kind of just trying to ease him in. And plus, he didn't really fit their offense anyway. Justin Fields, it's the best thing that ever happened to Justin Fields was leaving Georgia, trust me. But I think that they were easing him in, and then Fromm was just better within the system that they wanted to run because Georgia's offense the last few years has been extremely conservative, even to the point that they've got a game manager, and they're handcuffing their game manager at times, not <laughs> letting him do some things. So I think Fromm fit into that better, whereas Eason to me, is never going to be the guy that's going to play within a system if that system is conservative. He's got the big arm, and he wants to try to show it off, and Fields is just, just way too talented for what they were doing on that offense.
1: It is uncomfortable but also kind of bananas that Justin Fields, one of the most important players in college football, left to school and gained immediate eligibility because he was called a racial slur by a baseball player. Yeah, that's kind of crazy. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's uncomfortable and it's strange. And it's one of those twists in college football lore like, oh, remember when Randy Moss was at Florida State? Or, oh, like you would never leave what the practice footage was like. It's filled of these strange twists and stories where, hey, guess what? Now he's at Ohio State. He's got him in the college football playoffs. He's coming into the this season as a Heisman Trophy contender. And he was not the starter for the Georgia Bulldogs not that long ago.
4: It's a great question, Wilson. As always, you, you ask fantastic questions. Uh, I have a question for you. Who were your top five players taken in your 2021 mock draft?
3: Well, it starts with Trevor Lawrence. and I made this list um, actually during the 2020 draft. So, this- oh, and,
4: and, and by the way, we should point out that this, the, the order of the draft pick is not it, – it's because Wilson hates the Jaguars and Bengals. <laughs> uh, no, it's, it's a reverse sports line Super Bowl odds. So whoever has the – The lowest, the worst Super Bowl odds, that would be the Jaguars, uh, gets the number one pick. Bengals have the next worst, um, et cetera.
3: Yeah, it's funny you say that. I was talking to the uh, Jaguars uh, writer for Jaguars.com earlier today, and his last question was So, why do you have the Jaguars picking first in your 2021 mock draft? Eh, If you read the little small print there, it's reverse Super Bowl odds. So, anyway, Jaguars, Trevor Lawrence. And I would imagine wherever the Jaguars pick, if Trevor Lawrence is there, they're going to take him. So it doesn't matter whether they're first or, or 32nd. Uh, number two, I have the Bengals second, Jamar Chase. And, again, this is less about really players and fits and more about just sort of the top 32 guys I'll be looking at once football gets back to business. Uh, Panay Sewell, number three to the Redskins. Gregory Rousseau, who had 15 and a half sacks last year for Florida, uh, for Miami, excuse me, going to the Dolphins. And then uh, the aforementioned Justin Fields, number five to Will Branson's Panthers.
2: He's not a defensive player, though. They only draft sure. defensive players.
1: Yeah, I, I think he's too short for Matt Rule. Matt Rule doesn't <laughs> like anybody under six one. That's it. We we don't take any short people. All we want is length and speed.
4: <laughs> I think it is interesting what the what the Panthers will do, like how the Panthers will look in twenty twenty one or twenty twenty and and what they might. I mean, like you're talking about an entirely new coaching staff. I knew like the only connection on the offensive system is Joe Brady and Teddy Bridgewater, who you know worked together for a year in New Orleans when Teddy was the backup and didn't actually play at all, and Joe Brady wasn't the offensive coordinator. Um, you know Phil Snow coming as a DC, and they got seven new guys. Uh, ostensibly, more than half of those guys are going to be starters on this defense, which was just ragged last year. I I, don't, I, I think there's a reasonable chance Carolina has the number one overall pick, and I, I don't think they would be upset about it either.
2: No. I mean, if if you're looking to rebuild like they are, getting like a Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields is a hell of a way to speed that process up.
3: Yeah, Uh, who's the second worst team? The Lions, maybe. I don't even know who the second worst team is. Redskins
2: could be terrible. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like they'll be a little better. Yeah, I think they're like seven and nine ish. Wow.
0: That's that's I think
2: the the NFC East stinks, man. Let's be honest. (laughs) Like the Cowboys are good, but the Eagles, I don't know. I feel like they're taking a step back. And then you know,
0: there's no reason. There's no reason the Lions should be ten here. The Lions should be like five.
3: Yeah, I think what happens is a lot of these teams are grouped together with the same Super Bowl odds, so it just depends on how you sort them. So they could very easily be six or five, right? Sorry. And by the way, we got to congratulate Pernelli. The Bears just signed Ted Ginn, so that's one more step to the Super Bowl.
2: Oh, yeah, he's going to drop 12% of the passes thrown his way. Going to be super excited about it.
3: Yep. The other, the other 12% aren't going to be anywhere
2: near him, so there's three-
5: <laughs> <laughs> 6 right there. 6% Except- of those
0: are coming from Mitchell Trubisky, and 6% are coming from Nick Foles to.
2: Yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. We'll we'll see how many people can underthrow or overthrow him during the season.
0: <laughs> um, when you look, talk about those quarterbacks. Uh, the other guy that, that showed up on this list, too, Jamie Newman, who uh, was at Wake Forest, but has since transferred Chip to Georgia. To Georgia. Yeah. And that's the other part of the Jamie Newman experience is because
1: there are, there's been a lot of production, at least uh, last season in particular, at Wake Forest. They ran that, uh, up tempo attack. They ran a lot of the, you know, every, every analyst's favorite RPOs, you know, <laughs> so they were, uh, they were putting him in a position where he had to make a lot of decisions on the fly and he was very productive. He was pretty good and he arrives at Georgia along with a new offensive coordinator, new offensive line coach. And so if Georgia, as Tom was talking earlier about Jake Fromm, like, if Georgia really is taking this step forward, then Jamie Newman is a quarterback who can get them there. If they are going to go up tempo, if they are going to uh, be moving at a quick pace, no huddle uh option type football. So if he's really productive at Georgia, that's one of the biggest stories because Georgia is a college football playoff contender. They're an SEC championship contender. And if their quarterback and they're revitalized or their supercharged offense is a big part of it, then like. Yo, like this, Jamie Newman is going to be a top ten pick. I will also warn that this could go in the other direction. Like Jamie Newman could be perfectly fine. And look, Zeus Zamir, Zeus White is a really, really good running back. Like Georgia still has six, five, three hundred and thirty pound offensive linemen uh, on that roster right now. If Kirby has his way, we might not be seeing the up tempo Jamie Newman light the world on fire offense. We still might be just handing the ball off thirty times per game. So. That, I feel like Jamie Newman has, in terms of NFL draft future, really high ceiling, but also kind of a lower floor as well.
2: Yeah. Chip. And the, re- oh, go ahead, Ryan.
1: Well, I'll ask you,
3: Tommy, the one you can ask. So, so Kirby is not going to take anything away from what Ed Ogeron allowed the office to become he last co-
2: year. Yeah. It's, coaches are stubborn, man. It's, especially like, it's, it, look how long it took. Or it took Orgeron a few years to do it. It took Les Miles a decade to do it, which is why he ended up getting fired. And if you're Kirby Smart, you might be saying, listen, man, we were like three plays away from winning a national title playing like this a few years ago. And he might, if things go wrong, that's what it's going to be like. They're going to start the season, I'm sure, trying to be a new team. But if things go slowly out of the gate, you never know. They might pull oh. it back and say, we need to hand it off 30 times a game. Dude,
0: It, yeah. took, it took Nick Saban uh, several years to really yeah. agree to open things up. Yeah, but he was
2: still winning at the time. He just realized, I need to change if I want to keep winning. Right, right.
0: But think about Georgia's defense. Georgia's defense is going to be sick next
1: year. Like the Georgia only had one defensive player drafted this year, and that's not to say that Georgia doesn't have talent. It means that all of Georgia's defensive talent is coming back. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they can lean on that defense and not even have to worry about scoring 40 points per game because they can they can win it just like Kirby Smart wants to win it, and Kirby Smart wants to win games like... 28 to 14.
2: Yeah, and going to back to New. Chip,
3: oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say quickly to your point, Chip, about no one getting drafted on that defense. The last, the, the one guy who did get drafted, Tay Crowder, was Mr. Irrelevant, and I had not even looked, watched him. So I usually, when if there's someone I don't know about, I'll go scramble to read Dame Bruegler's uh, draft guide. He didn't have him in there. So that tells you, I don't know how good he was last year at Georgia because he wasn't on my radar, but uh, the other 10 guys coming back, uh, to hear you describe it, they should be just fine. Go ahead, Tom. Sorry.
2: Yeah, now Tate Crowder wasn't somebody that really stood out when I watched Georgia last year, but he's a good player. We'll see how, but last pick of the draft, take a shot. But I, I was just going back to Jamie Newman. Like the reason the floor is so low is because his accuracy, even though he put up really good numbers at Wake isn't there. Like there were three or there were 77 quarterbacks in the FBS level last year who threw at least 300 passes. Newman's on target rate with those passes according to SIS was 65.4%. That ranked 76th. Among those 77 quarterbacks, and if we go a step further and move that to passes past the line of scrimmage, he was he ranked 36th of the 37 now. So that's clearly something that he needs to improve on. But ironically enough, the one quarterback he beat in both those categories was a first round draft pick this year. It was Jordan Love.
0: Ooh, interesting. Mm. Ryan, were you trying to troll Tom, just straight up by sending a Iowa State quarterback uh, in Brock Purdy to uh, the Bears at 14. Or what was the point of that?
3: Yeah, this is where things sort of get interesting. I mentioned at the top, these are just sort of 32 guys I'll be watching. A year ago, I'm pretty sure K.J. Costello was on the first round watch list for me. And then things went sour in a hurry. And then, where do you, is he Mississippi State or Ole Miss now? Where'd he go? Mississippi, Mississippi State. State. Mississippi State. So that'll be fun to watch. But, be with- now,
0: he's an interesting guy to watch, too, because... And I, I, I'm, I'm in tune into this KJ Costello stuff because NC State plays Mississippi State, uh, is it the first weekend of the season? Yeah. 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 First yeah. weekend of the season. Third thing, right? Yeah. So it's like Mike Leach gets KJ Costello and suddenly it's Thursday night in Raleigh. Come on. Uh, but, and not to divert from it, I just think that there could be some guys like AKJ Costello who apply to the NFL supplemental draft in July. Um, if they are concerned that college football's oh. season May not be, uh, going as planned. In other words, if, if you think there's a possible postponement of the season and you're KJ Costello, aren't you better off going in the supplemental draft than just not getting to play any football and then having to wait until 2021 draft?
3: I, I wouldn't if I were KJ Costello. In 2018, people were watching him and he had an up and down year. It wasn't entirely his fault. If I recall correctly, the Stanford line was dog crap. Last year he got hurt and then he transferred. I would want him to come back and see what he could do. I mean, much the same way I wanted Jacob Beeson and Jake Fromm to come back to see what they could do, but they are certainly different circumstances. I don't know if K.J. Costello, maybe someone takes a sixth or seventh round flyer on the supplemental draft, but he just didn't do enough. For me. Um, in terms of Brock Purdy, he's just a guy that I'll be watching. I want to see what he can do. I mean, he, he has some, some traits that people like, and we'll have to see how it translates. But, I mean, we all here know that a lot can change in four months of football in terms of your draft future, whether you go from Joe Burrow uh, nobody to number one overall pick, or whether you go from K.J. Costello, you get hurt, and you have to come back to school.
1: If Brock Purdy's draft is dis- going to be decided by his performance, he might be in trouble because, Tom, is it every offensive lineman gone for Iowa Ooh. State, or is it all of them but one?
2: I It's at least four. If yeah, I, I can't it, remember off the top of my head, but it's, it's a sea change on the offensive line.
1: And that's just uh, – They they got a good running back who sort of emerged near the back half of last year named Brees Hall, but I I think that Brock Purdy is a great quarterback prospect and I think that he in like thrown into the fire by Matt Campbell as a freshman, uh put up really big numbers. He's played well against the best teams on Iowa State schedule, but he might take that team might take a little bit of a step back on offense because they're having to reboot a whole offensive line. That's that's gonna be tough. I think he's he's still the same player in the NFL draft but I do think his numbers might take a hit because of that.
2: Yeah, he might be next year's Fromm in that the the talent around him is going to completely change, and he might have difficult time adjusting. And then Plus, I just think if you look at his build, because he's like 6'1", and while his arm's stronger than Fromm's, it's not like he's got a cannon or anything, but he's accurate. So I think that he's Fromm-esque in that kind of manner, but with a higher upside.
0: Uh, any other quarterbacks that you guys have on your radar for possible – first-round selection in 2021.
2: I'll I love Tanner Morgan out of Minnesota.
3: Ooh. Yeah, that's right. He's a good guy. And the game, a name I was going to mention that, Um, I'll be honest, I didn't watch one game last year, but uh, I'll do so uh, at some point. Trey Lance. You guys know Trey Lance?
2: The uh, NDSU? Well,
3: I look at Tom. Out of nowhere. That's right. North Dakota State guy. Uh, 28 touchdowns, exactly zero interceptions last year. 2,700 passing yards. Um, that's a crazy
0: but- yards- To touchdown ratio?
3: Yeah, Walter Payton Award winner, uh, which is the most outstanding player in FCS. First freshman ever to win that award. So, yeah, I mean, he's on people's radars. We'll see what he looks like. Uh, I remember, and there's a kid from Eastern Washington, too, because he played in that game, Jake Fromm's first game for Washington, where I think Jake Fromm, not Jake Fromm, Jacob Easton had five touchdowns and no interceptions, and everyone was losing their mind. Um, but the, the Eastern Washington kid is supposed to be pretty good too. I don't have his name in front of me, but, uh, we'll see how small school guys typically they don't work out, but sometimes you, you hit a
2: Carson
1: wins. Sam Ellinger. Ooh. You think so? <laughs> no.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Devin Leary? I mean, he's a Taysom Hill type chip. Sean yeah, Bate will I- draft him.
1: Iconic <laughs> Texas quarterbacks. Winners. Hardy gritty types. They don't make them like they used to types. Hey uh Trip, what
3: about Sam Hunt? Someone actually tweeted me about Sam Hunt during the college football season. I'll go be on. I said I'll be honest, I haven't watched one second of Sam Hunt because he was a true freshman last year. Sam
1: Howell. Sam Howell.
3: Sam, Sam Howell. Howell. Sorry. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Sam Hunt's a country music star.
3: <laughs> I don't. Know how I came to that. Louis,
1: <laughs> stand up.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess it was just in my blood. Sam Howell. Sorry.
1: Yeah, Sam, I mean Sam Howell's great. He's awesome and he's getting, he's going to be back with his top two wide receivers and like the full running back room is intact. He's going to continue to put together some sick, uh, some sick tape, but he also has, uh, last year, North Carolina was one of the worst second quarter teams in the country. Second, second quarter scoring margin. Can't explain it. Like just for whatever reason, the whole team would just start thinking about the orange slices and the Gatorade that they were going to get in the locker room and just lose focus and just totally not be able to control themselves. We're talking turnovers. We're talking penalties. But Sam Howell was a part of that. He would throw some interceptions. But his play in fourth quarter is what has everyone excited about him because not only does he have a good arm, not only does he put up a bunch of stats, uh, but he does have kind of that gamer swagger to him. Uh, like, by the way,
0: the played well. Sam Lowry Hunt is an American yes. singer and songwriter. Uh, prior to his successful solo career, Hunt was credited for writing singles for Kenny Chesney, Keith Urban, Billy Currington, and Reba McIntyre. But <laughs> he played quarterback for the UAB Blazers oh, yeah. from 03 to 04. <laughs> Unbelievable.
2: Wasn't he on game day one week? <laughs> yeah. I he might I'm have on, been on game day. I think he's like right. a guest picker.
0: <laughs> Unbelievable. He was an, actually a quarterback and a country music star.
3: I fell ass backwards into that one. I didn't see <laughs> Yes, right. no, no.
2: You just you you do that much research that you're still looking up UAB quarterbacks as draft prospects. You're just that dedicated.
3: Thank you, Tom. That's what I need. I need more uh, self affirmation.
0: Well, it Friends also just, says he is engaged to Hannah Lee Fowler. Is there any chance that's? Well,
3: you know, there's no chance he's ugly. We know that he's a quarterback and now he's a country music.
0: But star. I mean, I wonder, I wonder if she's <laughs> is that any she's a nurse, she's
1: good looking, <laughs> first <laughs> round. <laughs> I first found good-looking grade. No, I'm wondering,
0: I'm wondering if she's related to Chris
2: Fowler. Be. No, no.
0: You okay. just gave the same kind of like
1: flat grade that somebody coming out of Iowa or Boston College gets. <laughs> like, are you out of Boston <laughs> College or Iowa? Fourth round minimum. That's it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, all right. Let's take a break. God, what great Sam Hot Talk. And when we come back we we'll look at wide receivers uh, who might go in the first round of the 2021 NFL Draft.
2: Welcome to the Nothing Personal with David Sampson podcast. Do me a favor and blink, please. Did you blink? That's how fast the Major League Baseball season went in 2020. The postseason is already upon us. Whether it's baseball news, UN NFL,
3: college
5: football,
1: water polo, chess, movies, if there's a story... We'll have it covered every weekday, five days a week. Just subscribe and download on
2: Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, or wherever else you find your podcasts. No BS, no soft tosses, no hot takes. You know, it's always business. It's nothing personal.
5: Yo, it's two-time Super Bowl champion, Bryant McFadden. Also known as B Mac. Mike check one two one two. And that's Patrick Peterson, a fellow cornerback, my cousin, and now my co-host on the new podcast All Things Covered, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. This season, Pat will go from the football field on Sundays to the studio on Mondays to bring you the perspective of an active player at the top of his game. And the name says it all. Sure, we'll catch up with Pat P on how he and the Cardinals are faring. But we'll also talk about other sports, our personal interests, and social issues. Then we'll cover even more with the prominent guests each week. With 17 years of NFL cornerback experience between the two of us, we think you'll enjoy our coverage skills. So download and subscribe now to get weekly episodes released first thing Tuesday morning. All Things Covered is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever else podcasts are found. Okay, so the quarterbacks
0: are, as always, the big story. But uh, wide receiver class—I'll uh, throw this to Tom first. I <laughs> wouldn't be excited. I mean, like, so supposedly Justin Ross better than T. Higgins, and I think most people are, agree with that consensus idea. Um, does this group of wide receivers, which includes Jamar Chase, uh, Justin Ross, Devonta Smith, um, does this group compare favorably with 2020? Or is it maybe more of like a better talent but not as quite as much depth, etc.?
2: Yeah, I lean more towards the latter. I think the top names that are going to be available, like you mentioned, Ross, Jamar Chase, Devonta Smith, but then there's like Jalen Waddell, Rondell Moore. Those are guys who I think are going to be first round or at least very close to the first round kind of picks. It's just... I don't think that the kind of depth you saw in this year's draft class is going to apply to next year's. I think the top five guys might be very favorable, might even be better than a couple of them in some areas. It's just after that, there's still obviously every year guys emerge. But I think that right now, based on what we know, there there isn't like a, you know, like Brian Edwards went in what, the third round? of the draft that's a very good player who would probably be a second round or a late first round in a lot of other drafts and he got pushed all the way down to the third and you saw that over and over again with a lot of these guys who would be going higher in every other season for the most part that's not what next year's wide receiver class is going to look like but there's there's a lot of talent to get in the first round still
1: yeah you got like um like a player like an Amon Ross St. Brown that guy is a really really good wide receiver and I think that He's not going to be a first round wide receiver, but he's going to have a really good season with Keaton Slovis at USC. And he is going to be the kind of player that any NFL team would love to get on a day two type situation. Tamarion Terry from Florida State. Like there, there's just like a pretty, pretty long list of players that I'm intrigued in going into the season that probably again, uh, like a Brock Purdy, regardless of what their production is in 2020, I think that they'd be worth a good hard look from an NFL team.
3: Yeah, a guy that um, I kept getting my attention last year because I was watching Tyler Johnson in Minnesota was Rashad Bateman. Rashad Bateman, Bateman.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah.
3: And Rashad Bateman is actually better than Tyler Johnson. Yes. Yeah. And uh, I don't think there's any question. So he's another guy that he looks like a first round talent. We'll see what happens. But he had a huge year last year. And I don't expect that'll change with Tyler Johnson now gone. Um, Tyler Johnson, by the way, it was a fourth round pick, I think. And I think so. Yeah. Yeah. For the longest time, I had trouble sort of in the fall. I'd heard that he was not going to be like a day one, day two guy. And I remember talking to a scout and he said, look, man, I got a stack of papers this high, like an inch high of guys. Should, yeah.
0: A fifth round pick.
3: Fifth round pick. Yeah. Stack of papers that are an inch high of guys who fit that height, weight, speed. And the issue is he, he doesn't, he, he can't get open. He doesn't get separation. He had some focus drops, but he, he was a human highlight reel. But that said, Bateman feels like he's going
2: to be legit. Bateman's Uh, an alpha receiver. Like, he's a dude that can go on an NFL team and be the number one on a team. Just, like, take over.
0: Is Minnesota a a title sleeper?
2: No. No, but they are are definitely a contender in their division and a team that is very capable of losing to Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship.
1: (laughs) Yeah, the undefeated start to the season was not some kind of fluke, regardless of everything that I said. On the cover three podcast. (laughs) calling them the fraudulent ass
2: gophers. That nine year old in Minnesota ah! is listening. My bad. Sorry.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's right. We've got young nine year olds who are going to, to tell their classmates about fraudulent Fernelli, who's always picking against Minnesota. I mean, this is intergenerational cover three rivalry stuff that we've got, but
0: I, some some kid, some kid got, Got sent to the principal's office for like saying fraudulent ass gophers. And like, <laughs> <laughs> yes. he,
1: was, he, he didn't say, uh, he just said fraudulent for Nelly after Minnesota beat. I Kennedy.
2: called him fraudulent <laughs> ass gopher.
1: <laughs> so, uh, let me ask you guys this.
3: And, and I think this is actually going to turn out to be true. I think Jamar Chase might be the best receiver in the 2020 class as well by the time it's all said and done.
1: That's what, uh, was the, a bunch of defensive backs at the NFL combine. Like they, just the, the random run of the mill question on NFL combine media night, who's the toughest player you had to guard? Because the, with the loaded wide receiver class, I think that the intention of the question was to make these defensive backs pick from one of the wide receivers that was there. And a ton of them said Jamar Chase.
2: I think it will also depend on whoever's quarterbacking for LSU when the season starts because I think Jamar Chase definitely helps any quarterback he's playing with. But I also think that Jamar Chase benefited from Joe Burrow's accuracy on a lot of those passes. And if Miles Brennan doesn't come in and be, you know, Joe Burrow or if they don't bring a transfer in, who knows, you know, JT Daniels is out there, it could affect his numbers, which might push him down. But I think talent wise, yeah, he's definitely like a very good candidate to be the first receiver off the board. I mean, LSU might not be good next year. Oh, it'll be good. I just don't think it's going to be like title contender good, or it's not going to be near what it was last year. But last year, as Barton has talked about on our show many times, that might have been the best college football team of all time. Mm. And it's hard to live up to that two years in a row.
0: By by the way, no one is better at the correct pronoun usage of football teams uh, than Tom. Like LSU, and he
2: just said it. Like I'd Sorry, be, I'd, I understand the English language.
0: Oh no, no, but I mean, I, I'm always like, I always say like they for LSU, you know, or like, but, uh but I know, I, I always that's, notice that's
2: it. That's that NC State education at work, ladies and gentlemen, right there. That's
0: right. Tom Tom does
1: that thing where he sets the bar high and really asks you to keep up, you know. He doesn't really cater <laughs> to the
0: the lowest common audience. Mm. Um, mm, I don't know about that. Fred Tom's work at Fan House for a long time. <laughs> All uh, right. what kind of fan house? There was, I, I always think about this, like the, the halcyon days of blogging, not to go back in time, but like there was a report that Jamarcus Russell had come back to Raiders camp and was weighed, weighed like over 300 pounds. And I went into MS Paint and did like, I was like, we have obtained exclusive, uh, an exclusive photo of Jamarcus Russell. it was just a big black circle with like, with like, like a little like Raiders logo designed on it. It was truly amazing. And all that incredible stuff we did at Fan House is, is, is doesn't exist anymore.
2: My first year at CBS, I did MS Paint where I drew a monkey flinging flinging its own poop and then called it the UCLA offense and published it on the site. So, you know, we've all come a long way
3: in the last 10 years. I don't think that's probably around either because they got rid of the sort of the message board CMS. Uh That's that's all, it's probably all for the best if we're being honest. Uh,
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. No, I mean, it's great. Like, I mean, it is nice because like any, any take you had that looks terrible has now been, Tossed out the window. So that's, uh, we got that going for us, at least in, in that respect. All right. When, uh, we look at the running backs out of this class, is Travis Etienne the best one, Chip? And is he, do you think he will be a first round pick when it's all said and done?
1: Yes. And the reason is going to be because of his explosiveness, because people are going to love those times where they run stretch and he lets all the blockers get set and then he just explodes vertically up the field. I mean, he is the king of the 12 carry 119 yard, three touchdown stat line where he's not even playing in the second half of the third quarter in the fourth quarter, his yards per touch is nuts. It is real. And it is a huge part of the Clemson offense. I'm going to go Travis ETN. Yes. First rounder. And uh, I, I don't know if I've I'm to the point where I'm going to say definitely the number one wide receiver, because it's very, very interesting to think about what Chuba Hubbard is going to do at Oklahoma state and how the NFL is going to treat Chuba Hubbard. But uh, I, I think ETN's absolutely worth it and deserves to be in that conversation for RB1. And
2: no offense to Hubbard, but if ETN's not the number one RBAC, running back on your board, you're, you're doing it wrong. I just think that if you look at him, he's got everything that Chip just mentioned. But the, another thing, you know, besides the speed and the vision, last year he had a broken tackle rate of 41.5%. Of any running back with at least 200 carries, that was 6.5% higher than than any other player in the country, and he averaged five yards after contact per rush, which was a full yard higher than the next closest guy, who was Utah's Zach Moss. This is a guy who's quick, he's got the vision, and he can break tackles and get through guys, and more important than anything for NFL teams, like Chip mentioned, he's only getting like 12 carries per game. He's gonna have a lot of tread left on the tires, even though he came back for another season when he didn't have to. He's still gonna be fresh. So when you look at all those things put it together, that's that's the guy who should be the first running back taken. Now whether he's a first round pick, I don't know. I'm I'm like Prisco, I don't think he should probably take any running back in the first round the way things are going these days but i think that he is somebody that could be worth a late first round pick
0: just a, it's curious about that too because I, I like what the chiefs did taking clyde edwards hilaire because he fits what they do on offense and he wasn't making it back to their second round pick um so i i kind of think ryan there's a chance that if edwards hilaire has a monster season that the dum-dums in the copycat league <laughs> End up like if we get two or three running backs in the first round next year. If like the Chiefs win the Super Bowl again and Everett is like leads the league in rushing, I wouldn't like it wouldn't, then somebody's like Dave Caldwell is going to take ETN with the top ten pick or something.
3: Like that. Yeah, after not having learned from Leonard, Leonard Fournette, I, I think the run on running backs in round two made perfect sense and where mm-hmm. they look, I had no issue with. I know I think Sean Wagner McGuff mentioned this on the HQ show yesterday that um, the Colts took Jonathan Taylor, who does have a lot of mileage on those tires, but they traded up for him because uh, the boss man said it was a good idea. So I don't know if any other team would have traded up for, for Jonathan Taylor, but him going in round two, uh, as, along with the rest of those guys, makes a ton of sense. And initially I was like, why is Travis Etienne going back to school? And now you know why? He's the number one running back. Mm-hmm. So Chip mentioned Chuba Hubbard. I'll be watching him. Trey Sermon transferred from Oklahoma to, to Ohio State, so he'll be someone to keep an eye on. And Kylan Hill will be uh in that mike leach offense as well and he returned um so those are some of the guys off the top of my head that i'll be uh looking at when this thing gets going again and then i'm sure there will be 10 other guys that
2: yeah kyle kylan hills in a mike leach offense so he's going to get about 15 carries next season
1: and 10
0: receptions <laughs>
1: Just over the ball baby right there 65 <laughs>
2: what
0: um is puka williams eligible to come out or is he a freshman
2: i no, he's eligible and I, I, I have a feeling, not knowing anything about his decision, that he will definitely not be returning for his senior season at Kansas. I, I think
1: <laughs> that Puka Williams is going to be Travis Etienne-ing this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, I mean, am I crazy? I like Puka a lot.
0: Is that crazy?
2: No. I mean, talent-wise, he's a very enticing prospect. There's been some off-the-field stuff, though, that I'm sure is going to hurt his draft stock.
0: I mean, I, I don't think he's going to creep into the first round or anything
2: like no. that.
0: No. Uh, is there anybody else to keep an eye on from the running back? uh running back class since running backs are enticing even though they inevitably will not be drafted that high.
2: Uh what's what's his name from USC who's completely escaping me now. Not cool Stephen little... Carr? Not Stephen Carr. Um uh, I I cannot remember his name, but him. Marquee keep Stab. an eye out for him. There we go.
1: Yeah, Marquee, keep an eye out for well, like USC, I mentioned. I'm on Ross Saint Brown earlier. The skill positions at USC right now are loaded with NFL players. Mm-hmm. Their offensive line has just been pretty bad, and of course, they've had quarterback issues. But man, I if if Keaton Slovis and the USC offense have a really big season in year two with Graham Harrell as the offensive coordinator, then yeah, you might see a marquee step or some of those other guys start to step up. I I, I do think that the the, the landscape of the running back position does not have a lot of top-heavy talent, at least where we sit right now, because, as usual, about half those names are going to have to be introduced to throughout the college football season. They'll separate themselves when it's time.
0: Um, I think it was Brady Quinn, but it might have been somebody else, and hopefully it wasn't one of you guys. If it was, just correct me and embarrass me. But um, somebody pointed out that uh, with Oregon games – the uh the guy that they featured, like the the leader of the team wasn't Justin Herbert. It was Pene Sewell. Pene Sewell, yeah. So mm-hmm. uh did you say that, Wilson? Was that you or was that somebody else? Okay, just making sure. Um so uh thoughts on Pene soul A lot a of monster. people said
1: that. Yeah. <laughs> we we started off by doing it as a joke at the time because it was like the game would end and they always go get the coach. Maybe it was you, maybe it was, was you. Did, yeah. I mean, we talked about it during the season because we were like, because look at this. After the game, big Oregon Pac-12 title contenders. Who do they go interview?
0: Penny Sewell. Like, <laughs> he is the most marketable face of the Oregon football program. You know, what's sad is that, so we, this is Friday's podcast. We're recording it on Thursday. Uh, less than a week ago, Chip told me this fact, and I forgot that it was Chip who told me. We did it on the two emergency pod during the draft. Oh, 100- hey, yeah. Herbert was taken immediately after and you pointed that out. And I just could not remember for the life of me who said it. Um, that goes to show you that I have, a a, a so you're a- saying I look like Brady Quinn. He's
2: got yes. those, he's got, he's got <laughs> Brady's cheekbones on the mind. He's just always thinking about him. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's right. Absolutely. Um, uh, any other offensive linemen, like how high can Sewell go, do we think? Oh, the he's, two? he's a
2: top five pick. Yeah. Uh, I mean, okay. it's, he's just, a, he's an absolute monster. I mean, this is a dude who came in as an 18 year old, his freshman season plays every snap. He's all conference. Last year, he didn't allow a sack over 926 snaps. He only gave up two QB hits on the whole entire season. He's pancaking dudes left and right. He's a franchise left tackle and he's 19 years old. Mm. So, um, like
3: Jamar Chase, is Panay Sewell the number one offensive player taken, offensive lineman taken in the
2: 2020 draft? Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah. Like so might Dave, be Dave, Gettleman, Dave Gettleman takes him at four.
2: Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, Dave Gettleman might not have, but yeah, he should have been the number one. <laughs> I mean, I think if he's a monster who pancakes me, I mean, like you would,
0: I watched, um, and maybe I mentioned this last week, but yeah, you, know, you would watch this Justin Herbert tape and you're like, this guy is not getting pressured at all. Yeah, like he had all day back there.
2: If you're watching Justin Herbert last year, his film, Sewell's probably the guy that pops out on this tape more than anybody else. He's just yeah. absolutely dominating.
1: And they had Calvin Throckmorton and they had Shane LeBue. I mean, there's a lot of NFL guys, and Sewell was without a doubt the best. Uh,
0: what is the most depressing uh, junior, number two, uh, the third, whatever it is? Who's the most depressing name that you've seen him come across a draft? Like we got, uh, you know, like this year, we got Antoine Winfield Jr. Um, which is not, it's like, okay, Antoine Wheelfield was like 38 when he played. Like I can live with that. Uh, Patrick Sertan, the second out of Alabama, uh, obviously, you know, he's a little bit older too. Like, like once we start getting into like, like Trevor Lawrence Jr., that's what, you know, that's what I'm going to have problems <laughs> oh. with this job. But I'm yeah. curious well, who registers as the most depressing one that you guys have seen from a college football perspective. Cause we're, we're, we're fairly, we're fairly like novice at this at the NFL level. Well, here I'll,
3: I'll go, go first. Ahead. Because it's the only one I have, and I I don't want you guys to take (laughs) Asante Samuel. Yes, yes, yes. And that feels really, really, that's tough to swallow.
2: You said Samuel. He already said Sertan. I'm going to switch sports. I'll tell you the most depressing thing in the world. I'm an Illini fan. I I went to Illinois. I root for Illinois basketball. On Illinois' basketball team this year is a junior named DeMonte Williams, who is the son of Frank Williams, who was playing for Illinois when I was there. Mm. That is depressing. That is
0: depressing. I would say uh Thaddeus Moss is up there, too. He didn't get drafted, so that doesn't count.
2: <laughs> yeah, he's like the only player on LSU's offense that got a snap that didn't get drafted.
0: <laughs> Stephen I, Sullivan
1: got the other tight end. The
2: got, long snapper. <laughs> or, yeah, 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 the long snapper got drafted. Stephen Sullivan
0: got drafted. I, I just mean that, like, Randy Moss. Like, yeah. I mean, I guess Randy Moss is the, relatively the same age as, like, Winfield and all those other guys. He just feels like, you know. I, I feel like,
1: uh, why uh why wouldn't it be Brandon Childress then? Just the idea that Randolph Childress's son is now done with his college uh, career—that
0: that one's up there too. Yeah. That's
1: terrible.
3: I remember betting on wait. Look, nineteen ninety Wilson, a little DJ exposure.
0: <laughs> 1994,
3: I was in. I was a. It was my junior year in college, and I bet. I had to, and I was deep in the hole after winning my first five bets. I was like eight hundred bucks down. I was I have to call my parents. So I bet the, the to make the bet eight hundred bucks. On Oklahoma State, Wake Forest, in the and the um, maybe in the Sweet Sixteen is say like tournament. So it was Big Country versus Randolph Childress. The over under was one twenty two. I bet the over. I think I bet the over, and I, I think they just hit it. And so, uh-huh. thank you, Randolph. And thanks. I love <laughs> the
1: Randolph Childress and Big yeah. Country.
2: And that's why Ryan's firstborn was named Randolph.
3: <laughs> <laughs> what was that uh, Big Country's name? Bryant was he Bryant? Bryant, Bryant Reeves. Randolph Bryant Wilson, welcome to the world.
0: By the way, the uh, the final score of that was 71 Oklahoma State, Wake Forest 66. Uh <laughs> what's that math? I didn't hit the 137. Over. Yeah, I got it. Yes. Uh shout out to uh former Wake Was Wade. the opener only 122? Does that they have that on there? Uh they don't. Uh, it's two, 95, they don't have it listed, but that's probably I mean, that's that's probably right. Uh uh Randolph Children's had 22 points. Randy Rutherford had 23. Yeah. Ah, really? uh, former, former Wake Forest quarterback. Rusty LaRue. LaRue.
2: Rusty LaRue scored 17 off the bench. Wait, was this, was this a basketball game or a NASCAR race? What are all these <laughs> names? <laughs> Tim Duncan had. You
1: know Rusty LaRue played for the Bulls. You know yeah, that. No, I remember
2: Rusty. For sure.
0: <laughs> Tim Duncan in this game only scored 12 points, but he had 22 rebounds and 8 blocks.
3: Yes. I didn't like the blocks so much. I like the rebounds. That's right.
0: Um, Big Country had fifteen and nine. A very disappointing game for Big Country, who got deed up by Timmy D. Uh, I don't know how this morphed into a nineteen ninety five college basketball podcast, but here we are. Chip uh, uh, son. No, I know, I know. Uh, anybody else that you guys would want to touch on to watch for, like uh, any, any other prospects in Ryan's draft or off Ryan's draft uh, that might be worth the like people keeping an eye on as they head into the season.
2: Florida State defensive tackle Marvin Wilson. Woo! Yeah! It is he's uh he could be the Derek Brown of next year's draft class and that he could be like the interior D-lineman to go top 10. I just think that, I think he's got a good chance of being better than Brown simply because he's, in my mind, he projects as a better interior pass rusher than Brown does and I think that would give him a much higher ceiling and I think that's a name people should keep an eye on.
3: Great call. Another name that I like is, uh, Penn State tight end Pat Friermuth. Friermuth. How you say it? Is that right?
2: I've always said Freer, but I could be wrong.
3: Fire mouth. He he might he he would have been the first tight end taken this in this draft class. I feel like.
0: And, and, have... and, and well, no, probably not because the Bears didn't have a first round pick. So. <laughs> yeah,
2: but they would have traded up to
3: get him. <laughs> yeah, he, he's uh he's fun to watch. No disrespect to Cole Kmet and Tom Pernelli.
0: I cannot believe Ryan Pace ruined that bet. A forty three and under forty three and a half, and he takes him a forty three with nine tight ends on the roster. Uh Chip, anybody else for you? Um, Devin Leary.
1: No, 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 no. In, um, in the <laughs> list, you mentioned Gregory Rousseau. Gregory Rousseau often does not get a lot of, like, doesn't get singled out very often, but he and Chase Young are the only two players to have at least 15 sacks last year. And he was number seven in the country in tackles for lost. He's a beast. And he's got a guy named Jalen Phillips, former UCLA transfer, former number one overall prospect in his own recruiting class, playing opposite him. So it's not like he's going to be, double teamed and totally the attention of every offensive lineman. So I think he's going
0: to have another productive year. So keep your eye on him. The coastal too. Like, I mean, Sam, I mean, I think, I assume Carolina is the favorite to win the coastal and, but like, uh, I think it's UNC Virginia tech is the conversation. I mean, okay. Um <laughs> Take that.
3: I, Next question.
0: No, I, I'm just telling you that, like, I mean, I already see how if college football is played this year, it's Sam Howell versus, Trevor Lawrence in the, in the ACC championship and
3: and by the way Sam Hunt sings the national anthem to start the game
0: again, they, <laughs> uh, uh yeah but I was just thinking like the coastal doesn't uh, feel dominant so like a pass rusher like it doesn't feel like it has a bunch of dominant quarterbacks or anything like that like a a pass rusher it, it, for Miami could probably be eat up pretty good this uh
2: this coming season yeah and then everybody'll finish four and four
0: okay I have one more question for you guys how um i hope you guys are holding up well in this time of
2: weird weird life
0: uh but how confident are you that we play college football on labor day
2: not huh. mm-hmm. i am hundred percent confident that they will play at some point simply because not having a season would destroy the academic you know departments or athletic sorry the academic <laughs> the athletic departments for like schools across the country so they're gonna play i just don't think they're going to play on time, but hey, you know, fingers crossed. Things are happening quickly.
1: If we are going to start losing non-conference games, from the public health perspective, those big kickoff games, whose entire point is mm-hmm. to bring lots of fan bases from all across the country to one hot spot, if they want, if, they, <laughs> if those end up getting relocated to campus sites, or if those become some sort of scheduling alteration, that would not surprise me. And so, you mentioned Labor Day. I would think that those might be in jeopardy to be played as scheduled, but I'm,
0: I think we play football this fall. It was interesting too that the NFL announced the date of the draft in Cleveland and everything's subject to change these days. But, um, April, t- like I know it had been baited about that college football might exist from uh, in the spring this mm-hmm. year. And I don't know that you can do that because. Uh, you've got, uh, and Wilson had to leave because Wilson always has, uh, Wilson has radio, so he's gonna kind of go. Bye, Ryan. Yeah. He, Ryan disappears from this podcast all the time, especially when I start asking unexpected questions. I thought he was uh, giving you two minutes. Two minutes! Yeah, I thought he, I thought he's like, I have two points to make. I was like, okay, all right. <laughs> um, but like, I, I do think that it sets kind of a hard deadline to finish the college football season. Like, cause you're going to have to have the combine before that. Like, so these dudes, I mean, uh, Tre- maybe Trevor Lawrence is a different case. But a bunch of these guys are not going to want to be playing college football uh, during the draft, like during the draft process point of the thing. Like you don't, you just can't risk suffering that injury for a free, you know, playing free football,
2: right? I wouldn't think so. I mean, I've if I've learned anything in the last few months, it's that anything is possible at this point. Yep.
1: Anything is possible.
0: I don't think Tom meant it that way, but yes, Jeff. <laughs> Uh, all right, you guys are a blast to talk to, as always. Chip Patterson, Tom Fornelli uh, If you're listening to the Cover 3 podcast edition of this, make sure to check out the Pick 6 podcast, a uh, daily NFL show. We have tons of content coming your way uh, all the time. Give us a shot if you like football. And if you're listening on the Pick 6 feed, make sure and go subscribe to the Cover 3 podcast. It is awesome stuff from Chip, Tom, Barton Simmons, and the crew. As one door closes,
1: another opens. The 2020 Fantasy Baseball season is over, but 2021 prep is just beginning. Join Scott White and me, Frank Stample, on Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, as we take an early look at position previews, review mock drafts, and react in real time to the MLB hot stove. Not only that, we'll be welcoming in some of the best guests in the industry to try and figure out what was real and what wasn't from the abbreviated 60-game season. Listen Tuesdays and Thursdays on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever else podcasts are found.